is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and you're very welcome to the Irish Seahawks show here on the Under Center Podcast. Dara and Al here with you on this second edition of our brand new show, focusing solely on Air Seattle Seahawks. And for our second show, we thought we'd get a very special guest. We are delighted to be joined by Jackson Bevins from the Cigar Thoughts Podcast with his cigar in tow, ready <laughs> to go. Jackson, it's great to speak to you. How are you, sir? I'm doing really well. I really appreciate you guys having me on, even despite the uh, time difference. So really appreciate it and uh, glad to have the opportunity to join you guys. It's absolutely no problem. We are well used over this side of the pond, (laughs) staying up this late to watch Seahawks football because for some crazy reason, we decided to support a team on the West Coast of America, not the East Coast like the normal Saint. How, How did you guys end up being Seahawks fans? I'll let you go first on that one. Um, oh God, it, it was odd. I used to, um, I used to like the Seahawks unis, you know, Hasselbeck and um, around that time. But there was there was no yeah. coverage around here. I just kind of saw a couple of bits if if I could get on the internet. It wasn't uh-huh. really until kind of the Super Bowl years, um, you know, 2012, 2013, that I really, you know, could actually, you know have time to watch it and um yeah so it's it's you know i haven't been a fan my whole life but since then i've loved i've loved them even yeah. though they've been uh um hard to deal with sometimes well yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true i mean you know it's it's like they they're frustrated i think every nfl team is frustrating to a degree for sure um but you know it's it's better to have those frustrations be relative to lofty expectations. You know, having been a Seahawks fan my whole life, having watched and and followed this team closely, even when they've really struggled, um, you know, to, to have the expectations be, this should be a team that's winning games in the playoffs and having an ownership and a front office and a coaching staff that sees that as the standard, is is nice i mean it gives you a lot more things to be frustrated about for sure um but winning games is just better and seattle's done that more than all but i think two teams in the last 10 years yeah uh, for me it's it's similar to, to al's um for years i would watch mostly kind of just the super bowl in bits and pieces or if i was up the the next day watching highlights and the one year i decided to sit down and watch it live and all the way from start to finish was Super Bowl 48 um, oh, and man. obviously the, the whole game was Peyton Manning this you know the Broncos that and I was I, I'm a defensive guy I am um, I, uh, I love defense and so when they were talking about the Legion of Boom and how good this defense is I was like okay I can get on board with this I can get on board with it. and then obviously we saw what happened in that game the defense just took over and I think that was me. I was like, right. I think this is going to be my team. Um, it's uh, and that's the that's the beauty of being over here. We're sort of, I guess, not tied to where we live to support our team, um, which is which is good. We get to we get to choose and, but um, like like I always say with when it comes to the Seahawks over the last few years, um, I hate. Or they love to make me miserable, and I hate that I keep going back to them. And yeah, that's how, that's how it happens, yep. you know. Yeah. Um, nice thing is, but, is they've been they've been exciting for the most part. 
yeah. Well, it's newsworthy the last couple of years, which is great, you know. Yes. Um, and you know when we're kind of left, they're kind of left up there in the top left corner, and you know they don't get a lot of news coverage. And then obviously the most of the last years just all been about Russ leaving and everything, and. And now Gino, the redemption story of Gino and how Pete and John now have been able to sort of keep the team going now. Everyone thought it was going to, you know, capsize when Russ left and the season that they had, you know, it's good. It's it's exciting, uh, even though um, obviously they didn't make a, a deep playoff run this past season. It's still been good. It's still been it, it, it's good to have a team that that you're happy to support and that you can really back. Yes. Yeah, we've been we've been really spoiled. Uh, to be honest, I mean, you had the the Super Bowl years, you had the Legion of Boom, you had Russ at his best. I mean, he was really good. I mean, people people love, you know, revisionist history, trying to pretend that Russ was never good for some reason, but he was great. For, Russ was never for good, years. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's something great. that's going to, it's going to take a little while to, for that to settle. I mean, he's he's certainly complicated his legacy here in Seattle over the last few years. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like a, a long-term relationship breaking up. You know, if, if there weren't strong emotions on either side, it kind of makes you wonder about what the relationship was going in. And, you know, this last story that came out about him reportedly going to ownership to try and get uh, Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired. Um, that, you know, the other stuff I think is kind of part and parcel with, with the evolution of Russell Wilson. I'm talking about, you know, being a little bit more um, image conscious, celebrity focused, uh, you know, really, really positioning himself to be an icon uh, in addition to being a quarterback. That's fine. The goofy, the the goofy sayings, the kind of all eyes on me, I'm going to out prep everybody and make sure you know about it. That, that stuff's fine. I, I honestly don't mind that stuff too much. Um, but this, this is a big deal, you know, to, to really try a power play of that level um and to miss you know to to aim at the king and miss it's a big deal and i i do think that's gonna cause reverberations that last longer than um it would have if he had just you know kind of forced his way out and you know that that stuff would have settled this might take a little longer yeah and it's funny as well because when as soon as that article came out he went straight onto twitter denying everything saying he had a great relationship with pete and john just wanted to win but when there was other articles throughout the last year about it, you never heard anything from him, which kind of leads me to believe that this there's a lot more in this than um, than meets the eye because you know a lot of people have sort of dismissed it. We've seen, I, like obviously we we get some of the the Fox Sports analyst shows and stuff like that over here, and we see the clips, and a lot of people have dismissed it, saying this is not in Russell's character and stuff like this, but. For him to be so, to, for him to so quickly come out against this one in particular, just seemed a bit fishy to me. Yeah, yeah, and he's done a lot of his communicating through his agent, who, by all accounts, is just a wild man. In Mark Rogers, you know, I think, I think that is kind of the most underrated aspect of the deterioration of the relationship between Russell Wilson and the team, is that he hired Mark Rogers, who no one likes dealing with, and he's, you know, Mark Rogers is the one that was leaking. Russell Wilson wants to be traded um, back, I think, in 2020. And these are the four teams he wants to go to and kind of setting him up to make some of the comments he did about complaining about the offensive line and, and things like that. And I know that, you know, Mark Rogers has been really active in terms of like 
texting unsolicited texts to Seahawks beat reporters about, you know, dissatisfaction with the team. So he's just kind of a hatchet man for Russ so that Russ could try and keep his image clean and not have to be the one saying this stuff, but it, it all kind of blew back on him. So <sighs> prayers up for Denver, man. They, I don't think they really knew what they were getting with the Russell Wilson experience. Yeah. I think officially now as well, now that all the picks and the compensation is done with, like obviously we don't, you don't want your ex to do well, but you don't really care now with, with Russ now to, if he does well this next season, all well and good for him. It's not going to do anything for, for the Seahawks in terms of draft picks or anything like that. We've already got that number five. So well, we're absolutely yeah, this, delighted. The, the Seahawks met Gino on Tinder and all of a sudden it's <laughs> like, you know, once, once you're happy with your new person, you don't, you don't care as much, you know? And like you said, Seattle, it was fun to root against another team. You know, it was like you were watching two games every week. You want to see how the Seahawks did, but you also want to see how the Broncos did. And for me, and I think for a lot of people, yes, there was some kind of short and fraud going on where it's like, ah, you know, fuck Russ. Let's see him struggle. A little bit of that is kind of fun. I never felt that too seriously, but most of them, I'm rooting for those trap picks, man. When you start to see Denver losing, like, oh man, I thought this pick was going to be in the late 20s. Now it might be middle of the first round. Now it might be top 10. Oh my God, are they going to be picking in the top five? Like that was really fun down the stretch. So I think in, in that sense, now that that dust has settled, Seattle has obviously crushed it. Uh, you know, they got Charles Cross with one of those picks. They got Ken Walker with the other one. They're presumably going to get two highly rated prospects uh, with the picks they got. Or this time, Noah Fant and Shelby Harris were good players for this team this past year. So, I mean, Russ is going to have to do a lot for Seattle not to have totally won that trade. And I think everyone kind of realizes that now and can can kind of move forward. Yeah, I mean, bar, bar winning a Super Bowl um, for Denver, I, I, I think Seattle have won this trade mm-hmm. easy without these picks this year. And if they get yep. Jalen Carter or Will Anderson out of one of these picks, I mean, mm-hmm. historic returns on, on a trade. Oh, and especially, ab- absolutely. Yeah, like no one... A lot of people have seen, you know, Russ kind of going downhill and whether we wanted to admit it or not, um, it was happening to an extent. I yes. I didn't think he was, I didn't think he was, you know, going to be this bad. Like this was, <laughs> I mean, no what did, the hell, man. what happened? No, no one did. Even Schneider today was asked if you, and you know, of course he's, he's going to be diplomatic about it, but I, I think he was being honest when he was asked today, if he was surprised at how Russell Wilson played in Denver and he was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was real surprised. <laughs> you know, I don't think I don't I, I think that they saw him as as they put it in the Brady Henderson article that came out right before the season. Uh, they saw him as a declining asset, which is probably true. But you can decline a lot from where Russell Wilson was at his peak and still be a really good quarterback. And I think that's who they thought they were trading away is still a really good quarterback whose best days are behind him. Not someone who's totally washed up. And I, I don't think Russ is washed up. I think it was a bad situation with Nathaniel Hackett. I think uh, Hackett made the deadly mistake of referring to Russell Wilson as a partner as opposed to his player and saying, me and Russ are going to be making these decisions together. That's that's a very dangerous thing to do with a player, especially one that hasn't been in that locker room. Um, 
that's a message you're sending to the other guys that I can't imagine sits super well, especially if Russ doesn't come out and start balling. You know, I mean, this isn't a lot different than how Aaron Rodgers' relationship with the Packers has been, except for Aaron Rodgers has been going out and winning MVPs and winning 13 games a year. You know, it's 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 different. Russell Wilson spent four or five years on or near Aaron Rodgers level, but you know, the last three, it hasn't been close. Yeah, you can't. Well, you have to have. I was just going to say, but it sounds like he didn't spend a lot of time in that locker room. He spent a lot of time in his office. <laughs> so, well, in, in fairness, he's not the first quarterback to have an office. Uh, now, yep. I can't remember who it was. on the second they floor. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't spend their whole time in there. They just kind of had it to like watch film and stuff in. But yeah, Russ, Russ, yeah. like he was given the keys. It probably on its some... own isn't a huge deal, but when you add it to everything else then it, it looks bad. Like that's the risk, right? If you're going to elevate yourself above the team like that, especially a team you haven't been on. It's one thing if he asked the Seahawks for his own office on the second floor. Okay, great. They've already named the film room after you. Everyone understands that like you're the guy, but you're not the guy in Denver yet. And you know, you start making, I'm the guy moves before you've even taken a snap. It's, it's a risk. Yeah, no, they they really they really fumble that situation. I you can't you really have to have the separation of players and coaches. You can't have your coach be your friend, let alone what appeared to be just Russell Wilson's yes man. Right. Um, yep. So yeah, it 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 was an insane situation. I think it will go better this year. I don't know how much better. Um, I'm not. I'm not as high on Peyton as a lot of people, but happy to be proven wrong. I'm. We've got our picks, and Denver Broncos can go. You know, win their division. It's fine. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, well, let's move on. Let's wipe our hands of this. It's a Broncos player. We ain't, we're not a Broncos <laughs> podcast. We're gonna be talking. We're gonna be talking to some Seahawks. And let's talk about that number five pick because P. Carroll was in his pre-combine press conference today and he was asked about that number five pick and if he would be looking at a quarterback even though negotiations with Geno Smith at the moment are he says continuing positively um, and because these are big contracts they take time so first of all your thoughts I'll open up to Al and Jackson here your thoughts on his comments there saying he is looking at a quarterback at number five quickly I'll, I'll just give my one I think that's just to drive people off the scent a bit i think they're saying he's kind of saying we'll pick at number five if one of you guys don't trade up with the bears or the cardinals at one and three so that they you can take one of those quarterback which means we'll get either and will anderson or jalen carter maybe that's their move i think but um i'll start with you jackson what do you think about the comments of them saying that they are possibly looking at quarterback at number five i think that's a leverage quote um one i i Look, if the top four teams are scared off of Bryce Young's size and he's there for you at five, I mean, I think I think Bryce Young has opportunity. I think he's the one guy in this class that right away, a year from now, we could be looking at and saying, like, this is a guy that can be in that top tier of NFL quarterback. Um, I think C.J. Stroud and Will Levis can be good NFL quarterbacks, um, potentially great. But I think it's a little less likely. Anthony Richardson is probably the guy with the highest ceiling. It's really hard to – he's so raw, it's really hard to imagine that 
you know, a year from now, it's like, oh, he's he's the guy because, you know, I think probably the best comp for him is is Justin Fields and Justin Fields was awesome last year and they're still not entirely sure that he's the guy. Uh, same thing with kind of like J- Jalen Hurts, you know, it just it, it takes some of these more raw and Jalen Hurts is far more polished. So is Fields than than Richardson is. So but if, if Bryce Young were to fall there or if they are in love with Will Levis, as John Schneider is reportedly, then yeah, OK, sign Gino and draft the quarterback. But I think what they're trying to do is create leverage for, you know, w- most likely Will Anderson and Jalen Carter are going to be taken somewhere in those top four picks which means there will be a quarterback, whether it's Young or Stroud or Levis, who is there at five. And there are plenty of teams behind them who need that quarterback far more than Seattle does. And if everyone is feeling like, oh, there's no way Seattle's going to take a quarterback here, well, then they're not going to feel the same level of desperation to compete with each other to throw the biggest package at Seattle to get that pick. And so I I think Carroll and Schneider are, one, doing their due diligence on potentially great quarterbacks i mean like schneider said they don't grow on trees yes we want gino but we're still going to look at these other guys and i think that's smart i think that's just good process but i'm guessing the most likely outcome here is that they are trying to drive up the price to trade back out of that pick if anderson and carter are gone yeah i i I agree with both you guys i mean they're they're definitely you know you know how they are pete and john they they talk. You can't believe a word they say half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if if they're not looking at quarterbacks in the draft, regardless of what year it is, I mean, they're not doing their jobs. That's so exactly of right. Of course, they're going to be looking at quarterbacks, and especially well, and- now, like Gino. Gino isn't their long-term solution. Gino is good. I think they should re-sign him, but you know, they're not going to have him for the next ten years. That's exactly you know, right. Of course, they're going to be looking at quarterbacks. And yeah, there's going to be they different... should. You've got a team that's ready to win playoff games too. And what happens if Geno gets hurt? You know, you yeah. you need to go to somebody that you say, yeah, can you keep the season afloat? If our starter misses a month, can we go two and two with this guy? Yeah, and I mean, you're you're looking at guys that were looking at, you know, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes when they had Russ. So, you know, it's it's perfectly understandable, and especially with the hype around. Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, if they're gone and if they don't want to trade back out of that pick, then there could be a scenario there where they do have CJ Stroud or Will Levis and they want to take him and they really like them. Or even if um, they like Anthony Richardson at five for some reason. Yeah, um, I, I would love for Seattle to draft Anthony Richardson, just not at five. Although no. <laughs> I do think I do think he's going to blow this combine away. Here this week i think i think he will be the buzziest athlete coming out of the combine uh he's already the buzziest athlete going in and i there's there's nothing that i've seen that indicates he's not just going to absolutely dominate there and so he he may have a top five grade from some of these teams yeah uh totally and and, and that's it and see i i was in the the camp a couple of weeks ago where it was Jalen Carter, Will Anderson or trade. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I was happy to keep Gino, you know, like I said, mid short to midterm and, and, and sort of look, go from there. I think I'm still in that. Um, 
I think with the quarterbacks coming out next year, I think if you can get a first round pick for next year with that number five pick, I yes. think they should go for it. Yes. If I absolutely agree. Yeah. If Jalen Carter, that is if Jalen Carter or Will Anderson is not available, because I think they are the blue chip defensive guys that can be part of that franchise for the next, hopefully between five to 10 years, that can be the guy um, that, that we need. But like that, if it is the case that they're not available, I think who is it that's just behind us? The Panthers and the Raiders. Listen, give us your first round pick this year, first round pick next year. Yeah. We'll talk uh, any other tiny other picks you want to do, whatever. But I think, yeah, I think that'd be the way to go next year, personally, from for myself, because I think with the quarterbacks next year, I think, and then another year, Gino, maybe, especially because you're in that contract negotiation, you don't want to unsettle them anyway. Maybe just like say this year, it's all you again, pal. Um, we're tr- we, and then when it comes to next year in the draft, you, you draft your quarterback. I would love that. It, because it I, I, I think I, I was just going to say, I agree with, with Al's point earlier. You know, if Anderson or Carter are there, I think they're the two best players in this draft. If they're there at five, I, I think you sprint to the podium. I think you turn your phone off and you run to the podium to draft whichever one of those two guys is left. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what point I was going to make there. Um, go ahead. I'll see if I can remember it. No, it's okay. Um, now, when it comes to sort of after that, because and I know this was meant to be a free agency show, but just because it's draft season, it's, it's so it's so <laughs> yeah, interesting because there's two first round picks and we never have it. Too much to like. talk about with the fifth pick. Oh, there's too much. But that's why I want to go down to the 20th pick. And what do you do there? Because if, if we're looking at... So, uh, you know, at this time of year, we get to play around with the, the mock draft and everything like that. It's normally wide receiver that's there. If it's, um, say, Flowers, Addison, or who's the kid from? Is it Georgia? Um, yeah, you got, you've got, uh, yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigbo from Ohio State and Quentin Johnson that's him. from yeah. Texas Christian. I think those are kind of the four, the four receivers with first round buzz and I I mean the top three Jackson Smith and Jigba Jordan Addison Quentin Johnson everyone's got them in a different order those those three are kind of the top guys my I I've fallen in love with Zay Flowers out of Boston College um any of those four would be my top pick for Seattle's second choice in the first round and at least one of them will be there at 20. Yeah now there's also another one I think it's uh, this is a different position and this is just me looking at needs as well and that's if we want to go defense defense in that first round um what do you think about getting a safety and I think it's Brian Brian Branch from Alabama I think is could be there around 20 that would be awesome if Branch is there that's that's great I mean Seattle has the highest paid safety group by a mile in the NFL but they're able to get out, uh, and and I'm a I say this is a big Jamal Adams fan, like a big Jamal Adams fan. Um, they can get out if he gets hurt again or just isn't the same player. They can get out of his contract pretty cleanly after this year, I believe. Um, either way, he he has shown durability issues over the last couple of years. Uh, 
Quandre Diggs is going to be a cut candidate in a year or two as well. He signed a, a huge contract. He's getting up there. You got to have that next guy. And we've seen them try and, and take these, um, these guys like Tedrick Thompson. And I'm trying to remember uh, Delano Hill, these kind of mid round safeties in the past that haven't worked out. And, you know, they, they took uh, Marquise Blair hasn't been able to stay healthy. If you can get a blue chip safety, without paying for it on the open market, like they have the last, you know, with, with Diggs and, and Adams, I, I think you do it. I'm, I'm hundred percent with you. I'd, I'd lean wide receiver there. If you can get it um, just because if you have, if you get elite wide receiver play on a rookie contract, it's a bigger savings uh, over elite safety play on a rookie contract. If that makes sense. Top wide receivers are just worth more. And you're going to be paying that guy the same no matter what position he's playing pretty much on his rookie contract. So uh, I'd, I'd take my shot at wide receiver just for the value add. But if you're not in love with one of those guys and Branch is there, you won't catch me complaining. Yeah, I think uh, um, I, uh, I do. I, I do like Brian Branch at 20. I, you're not going to hear any complaints about it from me, but. Um, I would rather um, they went wide receiver there. Because the more you look at some teams, especially the Bengals, they have three legit wide receivers with arguably the worst offensive line in the league. And they made it deep into the playoffs. It, the value that a wide receiver adds there, I mean, I don't think they will, to be honest. I don't think Pete and John are going to take a receiver at 20. It's just, they might. They might. They've, yeah. they've changed the way they've started drafting, but um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, they, they they were willing to take D. Eskridge in the second round a couple years ago, um, which felt like an overdraft at the time, and has certainly played out that way. And he was kind of like a fringe. Everything had to go right for him to justify that that draft slot. You've got a little bit more runway at twenty with the caliber of prospect that you'd be taking there. The other thing is, I I do think that a wide receiver situation. Um, to both of your guys' point, it's similar to the safety situation. You have two great receivers there. But you got to – I mean, Lockett is getting up there. Um, I think I think Lockett's one of those guys who will be a good receiver for a long time, um, but he probably won't be this explosive for too much longer. He's also fragile. Um, DK Metcalf, the team's been extremely fortunate that he has stayed so healthy, and he's built for it, obviously. But – you do have to, you can't just set and forget in the NFL. You need depth. Like you need depth. And yeah, you look at the Bengals. The Bengals are the only team with like truly the only team in the NFL with three bona fide, very good wide receivers. Every every fan base wants a third great wide receiver. That's awesome if you can get it. It's rare. But what you do create is um, options, right? If, if you have a guy that makes a Tyler Lockett expendable and you can save $15 million in a year or two by releasing him, there's value in that. Also, you look at the top teams and, you know, you look at the two teams that were in the Super Bowl, they do have three good receiving options. It's just one of them's a tight end for each team. You know, uh, the Chiefs had obviously Kelsey and then they had two really good receivers in in Juju Smith-Schuster and Marcus Valdez-Scantling, both of whom I think – well, Juju actually had great numbers. He almost had 1,000 yards and 80 catches this year. But 
Um, I think that if you didn't have Kelsey getting a 30% target share, you'd see those guys putting up better numbers. And with Philly, you saw that offense transform when they brought A.J. Brown in because now Devontae Smith gets to be your number two, which is unfair. Dallas Goddard is an elite receiving tight end. They have three options. And Seattle has been a team that has, for the last eight years, really funneled all their targets into two guys. And, and which two guys that has been has evolved, but it's always been two. And that's, that's a dangerous game. Seattle's gotten away with it. That's a dangerous game to play. Yeah. Um, you, you, can't, you kind of touched on it, and that was going to be my next question. Um, if a wide receiver is taken at 20, um, is there a possibility of Tyler Lockett being a sort of cut candidate? Not this year, but after this year. Um, you know, Lockett's one of those guys. I think, I think he is to the offense in a lot of ways what Bobby Wagner was to the defense. I think his value goes beyond just what he does on the field. You couldn't ask for a better on-field receivers coach than Tyler Lockett. I uh, had the opportunity to grab lunch with Michael Bumpus, who does some uh, sports talk radio in Seattle, but he was also uh, a highly recruited collegiate wide receiver and spent some time in the NFL, including with the Seahawks. And he talked, you know, I, I said, what, what are the things you look for in a receiver that the rest of us don't see? And he says, having a plan. He goes, you know, we, we focus so much on – the receivers, you know, the great plays that they make and, you know, can they get open and all this stuff? He's like, that, that's great if the quarterback sees you. But most of the time, the quarterback isn't going to see you exactly at the right time with the defense doing exactly what you're expecting them to do. And so the wide receiver has to know three steps into his route, what's happening and is he going to plan B and can he execute plan B? And I asked him to rate Tyler Lockett on a scale of one to 10 on that. And he said 9.8. And I said, okay, by comparison, what would you put DK at? And he said a seven, a seven, but getting better. And I think DK is actually pretty good at that stuff. So it, it just speaks to how professional, how polished Tyler Lockett is. And he's the kind of guy you want if you are going to bring in a younger receiver. I think you want there to be some overlap for a year or two before you move on uh, from Lockett. Because I think the benefit that you would get from having Lockett kind of coaching up that guy, showing him what being a true professional elite wide receiver looks like uh, has a lot of downstream benefits. Also, we saw what this passing offense looked like when Tyler Lockett was out last year, and it sucked. Yeah, I've uh, just to your last point there, I've said that so many times. Now, there, there, there are a lot of reasons, um, but this offense collapses when Tyler Lockett is out. Yep, because then you just don't have that many options. You have DK. Mm -hmm. We have some like I like I like Will Disley. I like Colby Parkinson. I like Noah Fant. Totally, they're all right. You, you got to scheme. You got to scheme those guys open, though. Right? They're yeah. they're not just gonna go beat somebody. I mean, Noah Fant can. I Colby Parkinson, I think, is going to be an elite kind of contested catch, high traffic type guy just because of his size and he's got great hands. I don't think he dropped the ball in college, but you got to scheme those guys open. And Tyler Lockett, you don't have to scheme open. Tyler Lockett gets open. Yeah, I, I actually I remember there was a graph going around. Um, it was like an, the open score of uh, wide receivers. And there was like the middle of the pack and then some outliers. And then Tyler Lockett all the way out, like yeah. at the very top. He is the most open, the most often open wide receiver in the league. Yes. By far. Yep. I, so, think, you, um, I think you hang on to him. I think you pay... 
that skill set, whatever you have to pay that skill set for as long as that's what they're giving you. As long as Tyler Lockett is an elite separator, you keep him on the team. Absolutely. I want to move more to the uh, O-line next because we have our two tackles. Cross and Lucas are going to be there. I absolutely delighted to have them, but we saw towards the end of last season, the interior offensive line really struggled with pressure. Um, we saw today Austin Blight had retired. Now he was a free agent anyway, but any question of him coming back now is done. Um, his backup, Kyle Fuller, is a, a free agent. I'd imagine they bring him back to play backup. Um, on the guard positions, you know, Phil Haynes just signed a new deal to keep him there for a year. Gabe Jackson looks like he's going to be cut um, yep. to save cap room. It's it's it, they definitely need to sort of get people in there in the center and guard position. I think Damian Lewis is actually coming to the la- his last year of his rookie deal as well, so there's question marks on, on getting him signed to a new contract after next season too. Looking at well, sort of first of all free agency, not a lot there at all, and that's for almost every position this um, off season. I am, you know, the second highest rated center. Ethan Posage. Will they bring him back? Probably not, but it's a fun name to have. And um, when it comes to guards, the, the, there's not a lot there. You know, if you want to go for someone from the Falcons like Elijah Wilkinson, you can. Or the Eagles, uh, Eagles guard. What was it? Siamalo. Uh, Isaac Samalo. He's got. He is a free agent this year. Um, I'm no quite no word yet if they are going to resign him or not, but. The, the the guard and center positions, Jackson, would you prefer them to sort of look at that in free agency or are you happy for them to try and address it in the draft? Which means that you would have a majority of rookie slash second year players on, on that O-line maybe when you need probably a little more experience. I think for me, it's both. I, I do think that, I mean, Seattle's got some cap space. I think they've got the six most effective cap space in the NFL. Um, that being said, it's only about $30 million. And, you know, the, the nice thing about it being a thin free agent class is you're probably not going to have to spend a ton. There's not a lot of teams with a lot of money to spend. And the reason for that is teams kicked a lot of salary cap down the road during the COVID year when the salary cap contracted by $20 million. And so to make the budgets work that year, you had teams move a lot of money into future years and that's all coming due right now. So that's why you see a lot less available free agency money to be spent league wide. You've got the bears with a hundred million. They're going to be able to take their pick. They're going to, they're going to get all the guys they want. No one can outbid the bears this year, but after that, yeah, you know, you're not going to have to pay a lot for uh, if you want to get a Connor McGovern uh, from the jets who really kind of, reignited his career there had, had a really good year uh, as a really athletic center um, I like Garrett Bradbury with the Vikings similar story you know you don't have to spend a lot uh, to get that and then you can draft guys that that frees you up to draft guys in the third fourth fifth rounds that can maybe be flex offensive line positions play center and guard um, as far as the guards go I mean I like Sam Alu a lot he would be my number one target uh, from the Eagles you just watch how that team handles short yardage situations, which is something Seattle really struggled with this year. Um, if the Eagles had three or fewer yards to go on third or fourth down, they just got it. 
right? I mean, it was almost like, you know, I don't know if you guys were following the Seahawks back in the Walter Jones, Steve Hutchison days when Sean Alexander was the running back. But I think that year on third and one or fourth and one, they were like 40 for 40 uh, because they just ran off the left side. Everyone knew they were going to do it. They did it every time. They got the first down every time because those guys were so good. And CM Allo was a big part of that for the Eagles. So I'd love to see them get him. I like Wilkinson from the Falcons. And then, you know, you've got guys that can be useful, that can be better than Gabe Jackson. And, you know, like a Michael Schofield out of Chicago. Um, I like the, the Evan Brown kid from the Lions. Like, these are guys that aren't going to eat up all of your, your free agency money. But Seattle doesn't have a ton of holes like their needs are pretty siloed it's it's in the trenches it's it's interior line on both sides of the ball and then you're looking for depth at linebacker and safety and edge just like every other team but you know i I, i'd love to see them go after siamalu and just just make try and be the highest bidder for that guy and you know I, i like mcgovern and bradbury at center i think you can spend 20 million of your 30 million and really shore up the inside of of your line and then draft for depth. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you, you pretty much named all the guys and Siamalu is kind of the number one uh, interior guy there. I will say though, I was looking at over the cap earlier um, and according to them, uh, Seahawks only have 14 million uh, in effective cap space right now after all their is signings. That? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that changes things. I imagine yeah. that number will grow between now and then. I, they're they're I, definitely going to move some money around. They can, I think, if if they do absolutely everything they can do to make money, they can they can make thirty million on top of that. They mm-hmm. won't. They never do. Um, but they can. I think they'll make ten to fifteen million. Um, because they they have to fit Gino in somewhere. They can't just push all that money down the road and have him, you know, having a fifty-five million dollar cap hit in his last year. That's right. Um, but yeah, um, I think, I think they can, they can get some names in free agency. Um, I, I don't love the centers. Conor McGovern, um, is the one or Posick. Um, but I think he played well enough to kind of price himself out of Seattle. Yeah, that's probably Um, true. Yeah. So... Yeah, you just wish it was a different class. (laughs) You just wish it was a different class of free agents. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have a ton to say about this free agency. I I like some of the guys in the draft. Like, if you look at guards, uh, Steve Avila. Um, His pass pro isn't amazing. He can get better at it, but he's just a mauler in the run game. Um, I really like him. And John Michael Schmitz, I think, is everyone's number one center. But he is 24, so you kind of want to get the time out of your center if you're dropping a rookie. But um, Yeah. Yeah. And the concern with older rookies is did it take them until they were 23 years old to be able to beat 20 year olds? Um, you know, that's, that's it. Age for offensive linemen matters a little bit less to me because you see a lot of 30 plus year old, all pros. Um, it, it is a position where if you're good, you can be good for a really long time. It's not like running back where those are the outliers. Um, so I'm a little less concerned of it from a longevity standpoint, but it, to your point, you know, was this guy winning when he was 21 years old or did he have to be two or three years older than the guys he was blocking in order to, um, be as highly rated as, as he is. So that'll be really interesting to see. I mean, it just, I, I hate to keep bagging on this, but I brought up D Eskridge earlier to, to draft him over Creed Humphrey is, 
is just a move that Seattle will feel negative ripple effects for for a long time. Well, I mean, pretty much the entire league passed on him twice, so mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't only Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I it is a valid point. I I I think like center was absolutely like a bigger need, and they should have drafted Creed Humphrey, but. I don't like playing what if with the draft. You can do that with every pick. At oh, yeah. Every draft. And it's just. Well, and we take all the good picks for granted, insane. right? <laughs> yeah, we take all the good picks for granted. We, ne- <laughs> we never play out. What if they didn't draft Tariq Woolen? What if they didn't draft exactly. Bobby Wagner? What if they didn't draft Richard Sherman? You know, we, we don't do that. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think about. He's the, about Luke Whitler. He is younger. Um, obviously, um, he's going to be a little further down the the draft board. But if you have concerns, like you said, over age and stuff like that, he is only twenty one. He's, I don't know. I, I think he's he could be a decent alternative to have if you still have those doubts about Schmidt. Yeah, I think. I mean, we're talking about depth pieces, really. I mean, you know, I think there's a few guys out there that can be difference makers. I think you're really just trying to build out your depth for as inexpensively as you can with this off season. And I think that Seattle is going to be really mindful of next year's class, both in the draft and free agency, which purports to be better on both fronts than this class is. They want to make sure that they're in a position where they can spend competitively for those guys. So they may not blow their whole wad on the future of their interior offensive line or defensive line for that matter in this, in, in this off season. Although I do think the defensive line is much deeper in the draft this year than offensive line is. And so they're going to have opportunities to address that easier through the draft than they will on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a list here and I want to get a quick keep or sell on the free agents that the Seahawks have this year. Um, very quick, quick fire. So I have uh, Geno Smith. Keep, keep. keep. Drew Lock. Yeah. For the right no. price. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, sure, I mean, sure. Yeah, if you but want, if, to... if it's going to cost you like two or three million, then no. I mean, <laughs> just draft a okay. seventh round rookie and get like there's thirty free agent quarterbacks. Yeah. I think Drew Locke is eminently replaceable. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rashad Penny. Keep. I think they should bring him back. Absolutely. He'll be, he'll be cheap. Yeah. He is so good when he's healthy. He's so he's so fucking good. He's, he's basically <laughs> See, Nick, he's Nick Chubb when he's healthy. It's crazy. I know. It's ridiculous. Like, on, on potential alone, he's worth paying $5 million, You know? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't love $5 million, but... I don't think worth. it'll take that. But, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Johnson Abram. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't get a a lot to a chance to see a lot from him, but he could be cheap depth. He is a first round pick uh, that just didn't work out with the Raiders, and I see no reason why you don't try and give him a shot if uh, if he doesn't cost too much. Yeah, I suppose if he LJ doesn't Collier. cost too much, but no, <laughs> no. LJ Collier, no. No. Okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I like. I fully really, yeah. agree. I fully agree. But it's, just, it's crazy how this guy's like a first round pick, and he's just completely fallen off the face of the earth. And 
oh, what a horrible, horrible first round pick that was. Uh, Artie Burns. We never saw him. You know, I was so excited about having Artie Burns over because, you know, the metrics loved him uh, as far as playing press coverage as a slot corner, which is a really difficult thing to do. Uh, he graded out exceptionally well. Um, with Sean Desai leaving for the Eagles, believe it or not, that makes me a little bit more willing to pass on Burns, although I don't think he'll be expensive either. Burns was brought in by Desai, kind of like with a plan for this guy because they, they used him really well in Chicago when he was there. Um, I just don't know if the next guy has that plan for him. So, I sure, I, I, I'd like to keep him, but I wouldn't spend a lot. Yeah, same. Okay. Because the thing, the thing that you got to keep in mind with this stuff too is, okay, we say, yeah, all right, he's, you know, we'll, we pass on this guy. Well, okay, that's – you have to fill that spot now, right? This it is a zero sum game. If if you lose a guy, you got to replace him. You got to spend something, draft capital or money to replace him. So, you know, for a lot of these guys, it's it's tough to say in a vacuum, keep or pass. Um, although I do, I, I I appreciate the sentiment behind the game because I think it's a far more effective way to do radio. <laughs> but it's like for each of these guys that that we say, yeah, let's pass. Okay, we got it. We got to replace him. And, you know, how confident are we that we're going to be able to do that in free agency or, or in the draft? So I'm always reticent to create unnecessary holes in the roster. But, you know, guys like Artie Burns or Jonathan Abrams probably aren't going to move the needle a ton if you let them go. Yeah. Well, I think when it comes to Artie Burns and that position especially, I think we didn't see a lot of Trey Brown last year still recovering from the injury. And I think that is a ready-made replacement because his rookie year we saw before he got injured, how good he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that because um, Michael Jackson played so well on that other side to Tariq Woolen last season, we probably didn't see as much as maybe um, we would have liked, but I think maybe next year is the, the comeback year for Trey Brown and, and obviously letting someone like Artie Burns go, who we, like you said, we did not see. The only time we saw him was when we saw the, uh, the list of inactives released before every game day, you know? Yep. So uh, I think, yeah, Trey Brown's Trey Brown comeback season, 2023. I'm here for it. I agree. I mean, Seattle is essentially getting two additions to their secondary this year with Jamal Adams and Trey Brown. Yeah. Um, I, I Mark, he's good one. If they're God, not I... drafting, then they should bring him back. He was good. He, yes. I don't think he's like a, like great number three, but he was good enough to bring back. I liked, I liked what I saw from him. Yeah, his story is amazing. The team loves him. He does the thing that Pete Carroll likes from his third receiver, which is be able to stretch the field. They've always tried to get that guy, their third receiver. They've done it with Jaron Brown and Chris Matthews. And oh my gosh, I'm I'm spacing on another guy. He had that crazy fourth and one touchdown catch against the Panthers a couple years ago. Anyway, they've had David they've Moore. had these David Moore. What David Moore, thank you. You know, that's that's what Pete has wanted from his third receiver historically. I think Goodwin is perfectly fine at that. The you know, to Al's point, yes, I agree. If you're gonna draft somebody, then you don't pay Marquise Goodwin. The challenge is you have to make that decision before the draft. And and so, you know, I think you have to just be really solidified as to whether or not you're going to draft a receiver and then you let that inform your decision uh, 
with with regards to Goodwin. Yeah, I think yeah. If you are Trey, I I kind of agree. If you if you are drafting, let him go, because I kind of I'm also okay with having. Cade Johnson come in and, and have a little sure. more involvement. Derek Young is going to have him a lot more involvement next year as well. So yep. I think if you have that draft pick as well, you have DK and Tyler. Those four, five bodies there in the wide receiver position, I think makes a, a decent group. That's a great point. Uh, Derek Young is is a very interesting depth play at wide receiver for sure. Freak athlete. DK Metcalf like yeah. yeah. Yeah, without any of the refinement, and DK is not refined. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll get two. I'll give you two more names. Um, I won't go through the whole list because we'll be here. Um, I won't want to keep you any longer than we need to. There, Jackson. So Cody Barton. Oh, God, he. I like Cody Barton more than most. I don't think this team can afford to create another hole at linebacker. I don't think they're going to be able to get the top linebackers in this free agent class. I don't think they should spend on those. I don't think they're in a position to get a great linebacker in the draft. I think you keep Cody Barton. I I think Cody Barton was the victim of a lot of people being out of position, himself included, this past year. But he actually played pretty damn well overall um, as that second linebacker. And with Jordan Brooks hurt and maybe not ready for the beginning of the season – I, I just don't think you can create another spot there. He's Is he going to be a great linebacker? Is he going to be KJ Wright? No. But I don't think there's a better option out there. Yeah, I I agree. With, with um, Jordan Brooks' injury, they have no um, off-ball linebackers on the roster ready to go. So yeah. they that's a no-brainer. Um, I agree. Like, and and yeah, he he was totally like people were so unfair to him. Like he <laughs> he was put in a horrible position this year, um, and he he performed really well. I think mm-hmm. the start of the year wasn't amazing, um, but he definitely got into a groove as the year went on, and I think um, yeah, absolute no brainer. Bring him back. No. Do you still bring him back if there's a chance for Bobby coming back? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. Okay. I don't know if there's a chance that Bobby comes back. I don't know if they'd able to afford to bring oh, Bobby back. So cool. Take a very team-friendly deal. That would be the coolest thing ever. I don't think he's going to take a team-friendly deal. Um, I think there's. I think he played well enough last year that he's going to cost legit money, probably similar to what he was set to make which is, I think, like $11 million uh, with the Rams. So, you know, yes, if you can get him for eight all day, um, 11. I mean, look, they, they could sign him for anything. I would be happy as a fan. Um, and look, they've, they had Bobby and Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton all on the same team together for a couple of years, or for a year anyway, and, and it worked. So I, I don't think that they're... Um, you know, superfluous players. I think that they can play off of each other just fine. Okay. And last time I'm going to ask on this, Ryan Neal. I want Ryan Neal on this team badly. I, I think that 
his entrance into the starting lineup after the Saints game, I think it was, you saw this defense change. Um, I thought he was the perfect complement to Quandre Diggs. And when you get Adams back, hopefully, and from what I've heard, the goal is to get Adams more into the box, which means you need another coverage safety. I think Ryan Neal is very, very good. I want him on the team. Yeah. Yeah. PFFL Pro, Ryan Neal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's another one. Um, absolutely. He's familiar um, with the scheme. And he played really well when he was healthy last year. Like, when he was fully healthy, he was all over the field. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, there was one point last year, didn't he? He had, like, an ice pack on his knee, a cast on his hand, his arm in a sling. (laughs) Like, he was was, uh, injured in probably every way imaginable. And he was still saying, yeah, I'm playing Sunday. <laughs> like that's a true battler, and that's someone that you definitely want on your team. And that's, I dare say, Cam Chancellor esque a little bit. He's got a little bit to him, you know. I, I will yeah, probably never, I'll probably never put another safety on on Cam's level. But uh, as far as like traits go, he's got some of that in him. Yeah, not putting him yeah, with no. Cam Chancellor, but JL Skinner in the draft. Oh, Fascinating he, guy. He's a, he's a hitter. I haven't, yeah. I haven't had a chance to watch a lot about him, but he's a hitter. Yeah. Um, right. So, Jackson, you've been really, really generous with your time. We really appreciate it. One last question we want to ask you before we let you go. Lay it on me. What part of this offseason on the Seahawks' perspective are you looking forward to most? It's, it's the easy answer. It's the low-hanging fruit. But number five, man, we've never had it. Seattle hasn't drafted this high ever in the Pete Carroll, John Schneider era. Thank you, Russ, for one last parting gift. Like, this is awesome, man. It's so much fun. The draft has not been that interesting for Seattle from, like, a national perspective in a long time. Last year, it was like, yes, okay, we've got a top 10 pick. That's exciting. But we knew they were going to take an offensive tackle. Like, you just knew they were going to take. There was zero drama to it at all. They were going to take. There was a great class of tackles last year. I think four with grades in the top 10. You knew they were getting one of them. They got my favorite one of them. But there was no drama. It was exciting. There's no drama. This is drama. They could take a quarterback. They could take one of the two best defensive players in this draft. They could trade it down for a haul. Like, this is, things have lined up perfectly this year to have a top five pick the leverage of having top five pick this year is high compared to other draft classes, just because there are so many quarterback needy teams. And this is a quarterback heavy draft at the top. I cannot wait to see what they do with it. Yeah. um, So exciting. Like you said it. I mean, how exciting is the fifth, the fifth pick? Like we'll probably not see it again for a long time. No, no. And the possibilities, I mean, the, the amount of scenarios you could go through of what will happen with that pick, whether it's a trade or, you know, whatever player they might take with it is just, yeah. Yeah. My favorite part of the, the off season will be when they take Will Anderson at five. Yes. Yes. Oh man. Absolutely. That'll, that will be yeah. me. Not, not might be amazing. That will be amazing. I'm manifesting it. Well, with look. You, Al. <laughs> well, look, I like your answers, but they're both wrong. <laughs> the best part 
of the Seahawks offseason is going to be when they release those lovely throwback unis that they're going to be wearing next yes. year. Yes. That's going to be the best part of the offseason. They are going to make so to- much money with those unis. Oh, <laughs> I've already set aside my money. I don't. I've already said it. I'm just waiting to see who they pick at number five. I'm hoping it, when it is Will Anderson and he has his number, that's the first one I'm getting. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep, yep. I'm getting, I'm getting that DK Metcalf in the throwback blue day one. Yeah. Al, who's your number? Who's your name? Come on. Uh, I like Woolen. I don't know why. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Yep. But see, because you play cornerback, so that's why, isn't it? Linebacker. <laughs> yeah, I remember you playing cornerback for a bit before as well. I'm too slow. I'm <laughs> not spelt <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, Jackson, it's been fantastic speaking to you today. We really oh, this appreciate is, this. This has been great. No, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on with you guys. I really enjoyed it. Love listening to Cigar Thoughts. Uh, I love you. Uh, love the. The show, I've listened to it for a long time. It's been great to have you on the show. I never got to actually ask you beforehand, have you ever had the chance to come over to Ireland? No, but it is on the bucket list for sure. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna when when I can finally pull it off, I'm gonna bug you guys. Absolutely. There'll be no bugging. Don't <laughs> All right. Worry. You're gonna need tour guides for the best points. Right. Right. Yeah, you know. That's what I need, baby. Yeah. Don't worry about that. You got your tour guides right here. It's all good. You just tell us what you need. You need a. We, we actually have some sneaky good places for some good cigars as well. So we'll, we'll take you there. I have no too. doubts. Don't worry about that. I have no doubts. All right. Listen, uh, this we are going to wrap up the show uh, at this point. Al, as always, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Always good to talk Seahawks. Always good. And we will be back again soon. We won't leave it for another three, four weeks next time. We'll try and get back. In a week or so with another edition of the Irish Seahawks show. If you haven't already, make sure you have subscribed to us on YouTube under Center Podcast. If you are watching us, like the video as well. We really appreciate it. Comment on who you want the Seahawks to draft at number five. Or if you want them to trade back, let us know. Follow us on our social medias at UndercenterPod, Twitter, Instagram. It's all there. Undercenter Podcast for your podcast as well. If you want to listen to us on the go, Cigar Thoughts to listen to Jackson's podcast as well. You'll find that there too. Jackson, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, simple, kind of. Uh, it's just my name, at Jackson Bevins. The challenging part is there is no K in Jackson. It is J-A-C-S-O-N, Jackson Bevins. Find me there and uh, hit me up. I'll hit you back. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. So like I said, that's where we're going to wrap up this edition of the show. Until next time, stay safe, and we'll see you soon.